Truth News Network. Eating meat is racist. Riding a Harley Davidson is racist. Driving a domestic car is racist. The weather is racist. Just when you thought things can't get any more bizarre, liberty is racist. When does this trend burn out and fade into the distance? Where will we be when that happens? And to keep a cool head, you need a strong dose of the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your professor of fact is Dan Newman. Fact. Fact. Fact is, it's Monday, the 23rd of October, and we need to do one thing very carefully. Plan this. You need to live Monday this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You need to live in that day. We all need to not be caught up in looking around us and getting stuck in that thing that destroys people every day. What am I going to do today? What, What can I do about that? Look, we all have the ability to deal with our personal circumstances. Sometimes it's not, if it's going to be successful, it's going to not be in the way that we hope and wish and want it to be. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes really, really good people still have bad things that happen to them. What does that mean? Life is full of circumstances. Some of those we directly impact. We're the ones that set those things in motion. In fact, most of the time, that's the way it happens. Look, I've, I've told this story before numerous times. After the flood, you remember back in Genesis when Noah built the ark and the ark and his family members and two of every creature on the earth survived. They're the only ones that survived. After that was over, God looked out and saw how devastating it was. He made this decision to do it. And so he told Noah to meet him. And they went to a mountaintop, and God instructed Noah first to build an altar right there, an altar that was going to represent a unity, a conversation, a relationship between man and God for the future forever. God promised, God promised Noah that as long as the earth exists, God would do these things. There would never be a flood, that there would always be winter and summer, hot and cold. Think about that. Winter, summer, hot and cold dark and light, nighttime and daytime. And one more thing, there will always be reap and sow. Always be reap and sow. Now, no man has ever been able to control day and night, light and dark, hot and cold, the seasons. Of those things that God promised Noah, only one of them was something that you and I could do, that Noah could do. Reap and sow means you put a seed in the ground and God and his nature that he created make that seed grow up. And from that seed, everything gets bigger, more of, 
and gets better over time if we treat the seed that we sow, if we treat it right. So the one thing you need to be concentrating on today is not, oh me, what am I going to do today? It'll just be, hey, what am I going to do today? What seed am I going to plant? What seed that I've already planted do I need to water? And start looking for the harvest. But there's another thing you need to understand. Every seed grows. At least it has the nature built into it to grow. That means on the other side of that, if you want watermelons during the summer, (laughs) you got to plant watermelon seeds, right? Peaches, other fruit, wheat. I'm from South Louisiana, sugar cane, rice, And it never grows until you plant it. Think about that. Think about the circumstances that you're struggling with right now. We all have them. If we breathe, if we're still living, we all have issues. And unfortunately, and maybe fortunately at the same time, the things that overcome us and that we're so afraid of, they will change our lives, if we concentrate on the bad stuff, what what can we do to get out of it? Sow the right seed. Trust God and his promise that whatever you put in the ground in your life, whatever plant-seed combination you want to grow, trust him that he's going to honor his word. There will always be reap and sow. Always. We'll get into more examples of that today. Well, good morning, everybody. I know they got a little long-winded there, but that's an important thing for us to remember in all of this mess that men have made decisions to put us in. We're not going to delve on all of the ins and outs, but there have been many things that have happened in lots of corners of the world over the weekend, and it's so easy for us to get stuck thinking about something, uh, obsessing about something, concentrating on things that we have no control over, no control over, and letting them devour us. We can't do that. We can't do that. We've got news from Israel. We've got news from the White House. We've got news from all quarters of the world, good, bad, and ugly. So we're going to share those today. I think that uh, we need to start the Monday off with some happy thoughts, happy thoughts. And how can you express better happy thoughts than listening to a happy song? I love the title of this Bosch's song. I'm drunk on love. I think you'll like it too.
saying love makes the go world go round it's even deeper and more important than that but that's something we were born into i hope we've shared it with others in our life and not just our spouses and our kids but other people that um, are like us in many ways struggling on a lot of levels so where are we going during the show today we're going to talk about stuff in israel we're going to talk about how that impacts some really important things in other nations, including ours. We have a situation that has developed in the United States Congress. We don't have a Speaker of the House. And you got to have a House Speaker to do any legislative action. We'll get into who now is up for consideration by their fellow Republicans. Nine are in the race right now. We're going to we're going to get into a little bit of that. 
Uh, I'll just tease you and tell you one of the nine is a regular on this show. That kind of narrows it down to you. One guy. Anyway, what else is happening? A lot happening in the Biden family. And it's not good, but it's really, really important. We're going to start right there. You know, when you see smoke in the air, it always is evidence of a fire happening somewhere, right? There's been smoke following Joe, Hunter, and James Biden for several years now. And there is a fire somewhere below the smoke. Let me ask you a question. Why has it been so difficult to confirm the alleged financial wrongdoing in the Biden family syndicate that was either directed by Joe Biden or he was almost certainly involved as a recipient of funds from foreign countries? We can't, our Congress can't get all of the facts out truthfully. Why is that? Well, the difficulty lies solely at the feet of a Justice Department and Attorney General Merrick Garland that have not only turned their backs on investigating these serious allegations against the current president, but also have impeded the legitimate and the very legal pursuit of Joe's alleged bribery scheme participation in every way possible. We need facts, right? DOJ is not helping at all. Joe's fellow Democrats have created a circle around Joe and his family, and they've been complicit in impeding Congress's investigation. Those investigations, by the way, doesn't matter what political party is running the branches of the U.S. government. The House, the House of Representatives, constitutionally is required as part of the oversight responsibilities of every branch of government to look into and make sure that everything's good in any of those branches of the government, and that includes the executive branch. Thanks to the problematic efforts of those in the House and on the House Oversight Committee, things have changed in these investigations now. What's different? Oh, we hear all these allegations, Dan. We've started ignoring them. Well, something has come up in the last three days that we can't ignore. It's called evidence. Evidence that, you know, the element of law enforcement that's required by U.S. law, evidence has exposed President Biden's financial wrongdoing. Evidence, and the House Oversight Committee has it. That exposure may have resulted from several batches of text and emails within the Biden family members when aligned with suspicious international bank transactions that were provided to this committee that raised red flags in dozens of these irregular bank transactions. It would be a bit cliche to say the noose is tightening around the president's throat. So let's just simply let's say that the smoke above Joe Biden has been proven to be a fire. Be a fire. You're going to listen closely. You don't want to miss any of this. You're going to learn the word of a city town in Delaware. It's going to be hammered into our psyches. Rehoboth. Rehoboth. That sounds like a Israeli, um, Yiddish 
term, Rehoboth. Rehoboth, Delaware happens to be Joe's favorite place. It's his summer home in Delaware where he has decamped dozens of times during his thousand days as commander-in-chief. In fact, he was there over the weekend at his home in Rehoboth. As DailyMail.com revealed last week, Joe has spent at least 300 of those days either in the country's second smallest state or somewhere else on vacation. He bought a home when it appeared his political career was over, five months after he left the office of the vice presidency. At that time, he was well into his 70s, and after all, he had decided to forego a 2016 run for the top job. But now, that house in the tiny town of Rehoboth Beach could be a major embarrassment as Republicans continued their push to find business links between the 46th president and his son, Hunter. DailyMail.com has discovered that then-private citizen Biden, who had spent virtually all his adult life in public service, bought a home on the beach in Rehoboth for slightly under $2.75 million. $2.75 million in cash. There's never been a mortgage on it until recently, and we'll get into that in a minute. But he paid cash, $2.75 million, making the transaction even stranger. It happened within just a couple of weeks of the highly questionable text that Hunter had sent to Rulong Raymond Zhao, an associate at Chinese oil giant CEFC, asking to seal a deal worth $10 million a year. Dailymail.com can reveal that Joe Biden bought this six-bedroom Rehoboth Beach house in June of 2017 for $2,744,001 in cash. You remember that text? Here's what it said in case you've forgotten. I'm sitting here with my father. This is this is son Hunter to this CEFC executive in China. I'm sitting here with my father. We would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold the grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Now at that time, Hunter was staying at the guest house of Biden's Delaware home when he wrote to Communist Party official Rulong Raymond Zhao on July 30th, 2017, threatening him to follow his orders. And we just read that threat to you. There's no proof that Joe Biden actually was sitting there with his son. But you know what? Metadata, that's that stuff that follows every click on a computer or phone that you do. Metadata from pictures obtained by DailyMail.com from Hunter's infamous abandoned laptop they show he was at his father's main house 
his Wilmington mansion the day the text was sent. James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee and one of the key figures leading calls for Biden's impeachment, said the all-cash house purchase is suspicious, you think? He said the fact that Joe Biden purchased a luxurious beach house around the same time his family was receiving millions from a CCP-linked company raises many questions that must be answered. This is Oversight Committee Chair James Comer. The House Oversight Committee will continue to follow the money trail to determine the extent of President Biden's involvement in his family's influence peddling schemes and its impact on our national security. Comer added this, the bombshell texts are just one of dozens of revelations two senior IRS staffers made in their sworn congressional testimony. And then U.S. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who together with Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, they spent years investigating Hunter's shady foreign business activities. Johnson said the transaction underscores the imperative of getting all the Biden's bank records. The corruption of the Biden crime family has been obvious for years, he claimed. This is just another piece of evidence that will probably be ignored again by most mainstream media. It also underscores the imperative of obtaining all the bank records from the Bidens who have benefited from Joe and Hunter's grifts. The White House obviously has denied the president was ever in business with his son. But aides have recently stopped claiming that the two never spoke about Hunter's foreign dealings. So, I gave you the property records information. Purchased the house at Rehoboth Beach, June the 8th, 2017, for just under two and three quarter million dollars. By the way, that was just seven weeks before the shakedown of this Chinese executive by Hunter with allegedly Joe sitting next to him. No mortgage was registered with this sale. That means somebody wrote a check, right? Joe paid all cash. And this was his second home. The Sussex County Recorder has no records for a mortgage on the Rehoboth Beach property until December last year. What was that about? Joe and Jill opened a $250,000 line of credit, and they secured that loan against the Rehoboth Beach property. Joe's tax records, this is important now, his tax records from the time that shows he was beginning to make much more money than he was vice president, mostly came from sales of his memoir, Promise Me Dad, and lucrative speaking engagements by him and the first lady, Jill. 2017, the first year Joe was out of office after 36 years in the Senate, eight more as vice president, the couple declared an income of $11 million and a further $4.58 million the next year, 2018. $11 million right after he got out of office, the next year, $4.58 million. At the time of Joe's Rehoboth house purchase, Local news site Delaware Online reported it had been bought, quote, using part of their advance from a multi-book deal. But even if the money for the home came from the $11 million he and Jill earned that year, according to their tax filings, 
There are still large discrepancies in the president's financial disclosure that are unexplained. Joe, Joe Biden was allegedly bribed by Mykola Zlochevsky, the owner of Ukrainian gas firm Burisma, with $5 million, according to information received by a FBI informant. An analysis published last year by Daily Mail shows a $5.2 million discrepancy between Joe's IRS filings and his Office of Government Ethics disclosures for the same time period. $5.2 million, just where'd that come from? Between 2017 and 2019, he and First Lady Jill reported $16.5 million in gross income on their federal tax returns that were released by the Biden campaign. The vast majority came from their two companies, Celtic Capri Corporation and GL Coppa Corporation, which they used for speaking and writing engagements. Listen to this, though. But in the Office of Government Ethics, filing for the same period, Joe only reported $9.6 million in income for himself and his wife. Joe, like every other federal politician, was required to file government ethics reports as vice president. And in 2019, after he declared his presidential campaign. So some of the remaining roughly $7 million came from wages earned by the First Lady, where she worked, Northern Virginia Community College, teaching there, and a salary she paid herself from that speaking revenue bank account, Giacopa, which the couple were not required to report to the Office of Ethics. But a comparison of the income reported from by Joe from his Celtic Capri company on the ethics report versus what he told the IRS, they missed it just a little bit. $5,180,000.71, which today, today, remains unaccounted for. Don't you think that would be a little glitch that somebody would think was important enough to include an explanation? I mean, I don't know who you are or how wealthy you are, but I don't even know a wealthy person that would somehow forget about $5,180,071. I just forgot. According to the information received by that FBI, a very trusted, years-long trusted FBI informant, the figure is surprisingly similar to the $5 million Mykola Zolchevsky, the owner of the Ukrainian gas firm Burisma, allegedly used to bribe Joe. In the 2020 write-up of an agent's interview with the unnamed informant, it was released by Congress last year. We saw it. The source claimed that during a meeting with Zlochevsky in 2016, uh, Zlochevsky boasted, bragged about funneling $5 million each to Hunter, who served on the Burisma board at the time, and Joe through a complex network of offshore accounts. And we got to say this. The Slochevsky claims 
remain unproven so far. Do, do, do you follow that? It's, I mean, it's pretty simple now. And the big new news that's out there, Comer, the oversight committee chair, very quietly over the weekend, let everybody know that they have hardcore evidence of Joe Biden getting a $200,000 check deposited from his brother, Jim, in the same time frame, all of this is happening, 200000 in cash. Now, this is, Joe's not working then. I would think everybody would agree, if on nothing else, the fact that there is lots of smoke now. Lots of smoke. And I always go back, when, when, and people talk to me all the time about this. I get phone calls, text, emails, and please don't stop doing it. I love it because I find out what people think about what we do, how we do it on this show, but more importantly, they'll tell us how they feel about the information and facts that we give you that in many cases, they take it in and confirm it for themselves, which is what I want everybody to do. That's what I do. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If we don't get the facts, we're going to make really bad decisions a lot of the time if we make those decisions not based on facts that we've confirmed. We're still digging. We're still looking. Hey, we've got so many things now. We're going to give you the latest update as of just an hour or two ago, about what is happening in Israel, what all the players are doing today, and we'll have some uh, opinions rolled into that about why some of this stuff is happening. And, of course, we got to get a Speaker of the House, and that process is moving forward. And, in fact, in just a little bit, House is going to meet behind closed doors, and they're going to listen to these nine people that have put their hats in the ring to become Speaker of the House. We won't go way down in the nitty-gritty because that would take too long. We're just going to give you the top surface stuff. And these nine, you'll be able to know who they are. If you want to go check them out for yourself, we'll tell you how to do it. It's really easy. But don't you dare go anywhere. It's a big day information-wide at TNN Live. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids, only at Carl's Jr. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What are you, model gloves? What 
are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. lot over the weekend. The world saw a lot, heard a lot, heard more than they saw, thankfully, because what is coming out in the way of video is nauseating. Soldiers that work to prepare the bodies of those Israeli victims of the Hamas terror attack on October 7th say that they have seen signs of rape, mutilation, and torture that they could not possibly even have imagined. One told the UK Daily Mail that the injuries are worse than the worst horror film ever made. Here's some examples. There's evidence of mass rape so brutal that they broke their victims' pelvis, women, grandmothers, and children, people whose heads have been cut off, women standing in their nightdresses woken up and shot, faces blasted off, heads smashed, and their brains spilling out. A baby was, this one is just, I can't even hardly share it with you. A baby was cut out of a pregnant woman and beheaded, and then the mother was beheaded. The bodies are being prepared by an Israeli military unit that works to bury the bodies in accordance with Jewish custom, which requires that as much as possible of the body be present at burial and that burial takes place as soon as possible. The bodies, this, the, the scale of this, the scale of the terror attack and the difficulty of identifying some of the burned or disfigured remains has meant that burial process of preparing the bodies has taken weeks. There are also civilian religious organizations like Zaka, Z-A-K-A, that work to collect the remains of the dead for burial and that have grown their services to include first aid now and search and rescue operations. You know, I hate to go into the nastiness, but this is an unprecedented event. I don't think in World War II the Japanese consistently did the horrible things that Hamas is doing. I don't think even in Vietnam it was that bad. I've not seen or heard of any war 
where this kind of stuff was not just happening sporadically, but over and over again. And people here in the United States, we have hundreds of thousands of people that are demonstrating for Hamas. How bad is it? Let me tell you, I told you you were going to hear from somebody special. Do you remember back, gosh, I don't even know how many years ago it was. It's been a while. But a guy wrote a book titled Son of Hamas. It was published in March of 2010, and it's an autobiography. And the guy that wrote the book, Mossab Hassan Yosef, nicknamed the Green Prince, he is the son of the founder of Hamas. He's a Palestinian who worked undercover for Israel. And this blows my mind. He's the son of the founder of Hamas, and he actually worked for Israel's internal security service from 1997 to 2007. Wow. And this Israeli intelligence agency, Shinbet, they considered him its most valuable source within Hamas leadership. The information Yusuf supplied prevented dozens of suicide attacks, assassinations of Israelis. It exposed numerous Hamas cells and assisted Israel in hunting down many militants, incarcerating his own father, Hamas leader Sheikh Hassan Yusuf. In March of 2010, that book came out, Son of Hamas, in 1999, Yusuf converted to Christianity. And in 2007, he moved to the United States. Wow, his request for political asylum in the U.S. was granted pending a routine background check in 2010. Now think about that. Think about who this guy is. Think about what he put his life out there for. They could have not just killed him, but done some of the stuff we just told you was being done to a lot of the Israelis that Hamas destroyed or tried to destroy in their quest to eliminate every Jew on planet Earth. This morning, Yusuf was on Fox News. Listen to a little bit of that conversation. Can you paint the picture for the audience of who we're dealing with? Uh, some have referred to them as uh, Israel's ISIS. Why do they say this, sir? It's their own comparison, you know, to say Hamas and ISIS, because I think Hamas is a lot more dangerous. Mm. Look uh, at the division and the, the global confusion because of Hamas. You know, uh, they, they, they brought us uh, to our knees somehow, you know, by their brutality and their uh, barbarism. You know, brutality is even uh, underestimating uh, uh, Hamas uh, act. Uh, Hamas is a religious uh, movement. You know, and they are raging a religious movement against Israel. This is what they are doing. The mainstream media cannot say this because they are afraid uh, to ignite a religious war. And mm. what I say, it already is. You know, they want to annihilate the Jewish people because they are Jewish people, because they are Jewish state. This is why they hate Israel. 
They want to establish an Islamic state on the rubble of the state of Israel. Uh, the uh, campaign, their, their campaign title is uh, Tufan al-Aqsa, which means uh, the flood of al-Aqsa Mosque. So it is a religious uh, situation, and we just need to expose them for what they are. They are not a national movement. If they were a national movement, a political movement, you can uh, satisfy their ambition somehow. You can negotiate with them. But when they are religious movement, that they don't believe even in political borders, that they, they are uh, driven by uh, dark hatred towards a race, mm -hmm. you know, towards a nation. Uh, and we saw that when they killed people indiscriminately. Uh, it's all uh, uh, evidence. You know, of to what extent Hamas can can go. Musab, how did you become a Christian? I mean, because we've talked about it, it's hard because the, what we've read, what we know about Hamas is they indoctrinate children at an early age, and you can you can you know let us know if that's correct. But to hate other people, to kill the Jews, to kill Americans, how do you fight that when they have been indoctrinated at an early age? And how did you come to know Christ? Well, yeah, this is this is a good question. Well, first of all, I did not become Christian. You know, I did not leave Muslim to become Christian. I was fascinated, and I'm still fascinated by the uh, by Christ consciousness, uh, which basically, you know, um, in that region, you know, where uh, hatred is taken over. You know, I did not see that uh, our problem uh, was Israel. I, I saw that we had uh, a lot more complicated problem within our, our, our society. And I found the teachings of uh, loving thy enemy, forgiveness, uh, compassion, uh, uh, the, power, uh, the power to be crucified uh, and uh, stand above pain and stand above uh, 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 misjudgment. Uh, I saw that the, uh, there was lots of power uh, to that. And uh, uh, this is why uh, I made the choices I made. I haven't been in a church. I lie to you if I tell you uh, I'm a churchgoer I, many, many years now. But Christ consciousness continued to influence me uh, and uh, ignite uh, the light within. You know, because we live in a uh, dark world and uh, men think that they are superior to God, you know, but they are not. You know, actually, the, why we are in crisis right, right now because we don't have God in our hearts. We have abandoned God, and we became very confused. And now the enemy mm. attacked us. Let's talk about the enemy. Uh, you write in your book, and you talk about how your dad was one of the founders and how you had to break from him, saved his life many times, but he still disowned you because he doesn't fully realize that. So you start working with the, the IDF uh, to unearth them and uh, unwind some plots before they happen. You also write that in 2006, nobody thought that Hamas was capable of taking over the Gaza Strip, but they did in two seconds, kick Fatah right out. Are they capable of putting up uh, and withstanding an IDF invasion? Do you think they're that strong, or do you think they've already run from the fight? Their strength uh, that they are hiding behind uh, children and women and uh, many civilians. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, this is what they did. They, they surprised Israel on Yom Kippur. It's a holiday, you know, and uh, then they ran uh, very quickly uh, to, to hide uh, and use human shields. Uh, they have many tunnels, you know, mm -hmm. uh, they used 
the funds and the uh, aid that came to Gaza, instead of it went to the people, they used it to uh, dig tunnels. And this is what they've been doing, digging tunnels under the ground. So uh, it's very hard to deal with this type of suicidal uh, group of fighters who basically uh, don't appreciate life. They don't praise life. You know? uh, they actually uh, looking forward uh, to, to death. To the next right? life. So uh, it, this is why it's very hard you know, for not do you think only they for ran, Israel. Musa, for do you think they're there, army. though? Do you think they're still there, or do you think they're trying to get out through the, the Rafa Pass? No, no, I think they are, they are still there and they are preparing. And the reason that the Israel is delaying their campaign because they're gathering in intelligence, I think they should wait a little bit longer because without intelligence, without information, knowing the tunnel, uh, tunnel's mouths right. and the Hamas movement on the ground, it is going to be a very difficult uh, war. Uh, Mossad, exit question, a final question for you. Ultimately, once the ground invasion does start, the goal of the IDF and the Israelis is to rid the world of Hamas, which your father founded. Given what you've said about how it's a movement, not necessarily people, but it's a movement, is that possible? Yes, it is possible. But Gaza uh, front is not the only front. First of all, uh, Israel must destroy Hamas infrastructure, including the tunnels and whatever it takes whatever it takes, that's number one. Number two, uh, uh, Israel need to uh, deal with the head of the snake in Doha, in Beirut, in uh, uh, wherever they are. You know, cut the head of the snake and let the tail die. You know, we won't be able to destroy Hamas as an ideology, but we can definitely overthrow them. Now, I don't know how much this will take, you know. This is why I recommend that we gather intelligence and we enforce a very powerful, unbreachable siege. It has to continue for long enough. You know, those tunnels, they need ventilation. They need power. They need, they need communication. Now, if we cut the power, fuel, uh, even water, uh, oxygen if possible, long enough, uh, this could take uh, long weeks. And we know where the tunnels are uh, in general. They are close to the siege. They are close to the... Uh, a border with Israel. Uh, we have uh, offensive tunnels. Those we know for sure that we, the hostages are not in the offensive tunnels. Okay. They are most likely in tunnels under uh, the um, uh, city buildings. Sure. So wow. at so least we can possible. begin with the offensive tunnels, okay. destroy those, then we can move to the next stage. But we need a very uh, strict, uh, unbreachable siege to deplete the enemy. If we go in immaturely, then we, we might pay a very high price. Got it. Mossad, thank you so much. That guy, Mossab Hassan Youssef, the son of the founder of Hamas, Sheikh Hassan Youssef. He's dead now, but Hamas was his dream, and he put it in working. He started it, set it up. If anybody out there, listen to what I'm going to say. If anybody out there is committed to supporting Hamas and anything that Hamas does, if you are, you need to do something today. You need to get 
the founding document of Hamas. You can get it online in English and read what their goals and objectives since foundation of that organization, since it was founded by Sheikh Yusuf, Mossab's father. There's no way that any living, honest person that believes in freedom, that believes in any individual rights for anybody on earth, including us in the United States of America, you read it and you'll realize what it is. Look, for them to do the things that they are doing to those Israeli people that they took hostage, we're told now this morning the number's up to 222. We have no idea. That's still a best guess because we are counting bodies. They're over there now. I personally think, you know, since Israel put out and warned the people in Gaza to go south and get out of the way because they were going to amass a huge delegation of Israeli equipment and soldiers because they were going to come in and totally go through all of Gaza, taking every member of Hamas out. I think the reason they've delayed is because they have forces that are inside that are specially there to find dead Israelis, even some Israelis that are being held hostage. You heard over the weekend, a U.S. mom and daughter that were being held by Hamas were released. A lot of speculation of the reasons for it. It really doesn't matter, I guess. It, it does in a way. But the fact that a mother and a daughter, U.S. citizens, got out, that's a big deal. Now, we could launch into a conversation at this point about somebody that is up to their eyeballs in this that isn't doing a darn thing. He made a trip over there, but it was a um, more of a, I guess, a message to make everybody know the United States and our leader is in the pocket of the Israelis, and I'm kind of saying that being facetious. I think it became more apparent after Joe Biden went and and met with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu that Netanyahu, he's not worried. He wants U.S. support. But Israel is the third biggest holder of nuclear missiles in the world behind the U.S. and Russia. They're prepared as best as anybody could be re, uh, prepared for what might be ahead. Joe Biden refuses to call out Iran. I cannot believe that. I understand why he's doing it. He's in their pocket. Why would he, why would his predecessor, Barack Obama, why would those people not be willing to call out the nation that is funding Hamas, Hezbollah, and even more Islamic fanatics across Europe and other places in the world. Let me give you an example. Did you know that Joe Biden's Customs and Border Patrol has confirmed for the second straight year 2 million migrant apprehensions at our southwest border now, why are you bringing that up, Dan? What does that have to do with what's going on over there? Do you know how many, how many 
people on our own terrorist watch list, number among those people that came across the border illegally, almost 200 in one year. And here's the kicker. We don't know where they are. Because of Joe Biden's policies, when those immigrants come across, they log in and then they leave. There's no way for us to do a background investigation on any of these people. 20,000 a day are coming across. No country on the planet could do a comprehensive background investigation on these millions, two millions of these migrants coming across the border before they get released. It can't be done. We find out after the fact. They won't tell us how many of those 200 or it's not 200, it's between 100. I forget the exact number. But it's between 150 and 200. How many, how many sold out hardcore, hate Israel, hate the United States Islamists are there in the nation right now? Well, we got 150 or so, between 150, 200. Do you think they're just sitting around watching football? Of course, it'd be soccer in that case. Do you think that's what they're doing? Those terrorists? Look at what, in the opening, real hardcore Islamists are doing to Israel and Israelis right now. We could sit here all day and tell you documented stories with evidence that prove how horrible they are treating their fellow humans. We can't think like they think because we're not Islamic terrorists. They grow up with that. It was nauseating to me right after. I guess it was the day after they went in on October. Well, it was Monday. They went on on in our early morning Saturday morning before that. Monday night, Sean Hannity's show, he actually pulled down off the internet some cartoons, comics that came out of the Middle East. I don't know exactly which country put it up, but it, it was on television internet, and they were comics for kids. And the comet, both of the two that he put up, they justified now, this is for kids over there. They're justifying killing Israeli friends. That is the founding principle of Islam, that radical Muslims don't want the rest of the world to understand. Their commitment is to kill the infidels. They're supposed to try to convert the infidels first. But then according to their Bible, if you can't convert them, infidels. That would mean many people on earth, but especially Israel and the United States of America. Their citizens, our citizens. Try to convert them. If you can't convert them to Islam, kill them. They're being taught that at the ages that are watching these cartoons on television throughout the Middle East, not trying to scare you, not trying to scare you, but I'm letting you know what's happening down at the southern border. You can bet your bippy our president's administration is letting people that are hell-bent on our destruction in across the southern border. 
How many of those terrorists took down the, tw- the Twin Towers on 9-11? Think about it. They were the pilots and the people that were on these planes with the pilots. Less than two dozen. Think about that and put that in perspective. They too came here. Nobody thought when they came into the nation that they were terrorists. Those guys were here legally. One of them, one of them was in a flight school at the time with a close friend of mine from Shreveport, longtime football coach in Shreveport that left teaching because he wanted to change careers and become an airline pilot. He went to the school in Central Florida, and these guys were there learning how to fly planes. And one of them perked up when they were on the simulator for big jets, 747 Airbuses. And he was not doing a very good job learning. It was when they were learning how to land. And the instructor made some crack about him failing his simulator test. And the guy, the, the Muslim guy, turned around to his teacher and said, I really don't need to know how to land these things. That's a fact that was covered and confirmed in television media reports later on. If they don't want to know how to land it, what could they possibly be there for? And you and I both know the answer. They were preparing themselves to fly those jets into the Twin Towers, that one that crashed in Pennsylvania because some of the passengers kept kept that jet. Supposedly, it was supposed to be headed to the White House. Pentagon got hit. Those guys were all in the same boat. They didn't care about their lives. They were there to destroy the great Satan the great Satan, now it would be citizens of the United States of America. Now, what do you think about all those people coming across the southern border? Well, our federal government, they put out a warning over the weekend. This should make you feel really, really good. Federal officials are warning that members of Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah could be crossing through our southern border. Now, that came from an internal memo that was obtained over the weekend. The San Diego Field Office Intelligence Division of the Border Protection Agency sent the memo warning that due to the war between Israel and Hamas, there could be encounters of terror-tied individuals who are seeking to travel to or from the Middle East through transit across the southern border. Hamas, PIJ, and Hezbollah, all of which are U.S.-designated terrorist organizations, they've been committing these attacks on Israel. They're the ones that are doing that, and our government's now saying, hey, 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 you better pay attention. Some of those guys might already be in the United States. San Diego Field Office Intelligence Unit, their assessment is individuals inspired by or reacting to the current Israel-Hamas conflict may attempt to travel to 
or from areas of hostilities in the Middle East through kind of a circuitous transit across the southwest border, our southwest border. Foreign fighters motivated by ideology or even mercenary soldiers of fortune may attempt to obfuscate travel to or from the U.S. or from countries in the Middle East through Mexico. And this comes from the same memo. And put that in the context of our record illegal immigration, 2 million, 2 million, and those don't include the gotaways. There are a lot of people that think the real number is closer to 4 million in one year. This is uncanny, and it's happening, and it's okay. It's okay, according to our president and Homeland Secretary Mayorkas, we're doing this for the good of fellow people of Earth, just trying to come here to build a better life for themselves and their family members. And then we find out they're bringing over kids, that they're selling into sex slavery around the world, They're coming over here murdering every kind of criminal act that you can imagine has been recorded. Those people, not all of them, but many of them, we don't know their backgrounds. Why would they be sent this way? Why would their countries just encourage them to come this way? Well, if they're really good people that are giving and living great lives in their home nations, That means they'd probably really be doing good because they'd be doing right things instead of being criminals and acting like criminals. Those are embedded among them. This is not going to go smooth. It's not going to go well. And later in the show, we're going to talk about some likely things that are looming in front of us. And it's not very pleasant, but it's factual. we got to consider it. Ladies! We ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes, for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy. A wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. 
Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Mom. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. So out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. You gotta admit, a lot of the things that you're hearing are happening here. Nobody's delving into these things on mainstream media. Just pointing those things out. And if you weren't with us at the top of the show, you need to go back and get today's show. You can download it from any one of uh, your favorite uh, websites that distribute these shows like Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Spotify, all of them. TNN Live is there. Go get today's show and listen to the first segment. It'll blow your mind. This just popped up a little bit ago. Guess what Israel notified the U.S. about? Hamas intends to use chemical weapons. And how do they know that? They found cyanide device instructions among all of the stuff that happened in Gaza. The Israeli foreign ministry sent a classified message to dozens of Israeli embassies across the world, warning them that Hamas has intention to deploy chemical weapons after the Israeli military found a USB key with instructions for how to make a cyanide dispersion device. And they found it on the body of a Hamas terrorist. It's unclear whether Hamas, the terrorist group that governs the Gaza Strip, had attempted to produce the chemical weapons or had any serious plans to deploy them. But one would think if you get an Israeli soldier and he's in the middle of a fight and he has instructions in his pocket on how to create a cyanide dispersion device, that their intentions are not very good. Not very good at all. The Israeli Foreign Ministry's Weapons of Mass Destruction Agency, they sent this classified memo to dozens of Israeli embassies, including the one in Washington, D.C. Thursday, with the headline, Hamas' Intention of Using Chemical Weapons. The file could not be independently authenticated, but Israeli officials have said before they will not give information to allies if they do not believe it is reliable. Now think about that. <laughs> if you're if you're anybody in a foreign nation and this thing pops up, why would Israel want to give that to us if it wasn't credible? And do you want to roll the dice? Do you want to just say, ah, that's a bogus thing. They're just trying to scare us or come up with some excuse not to believe it. We've seen plenty of that happen, haven't we? We don't need to let any possibility go unchecked when it comes to life and death for a bunch of Americans. Wow. You probably don't know what you're about to hear. The bodies of around 1,500 Hamas terrorists have been discovered in Israel after they invaded. 1,500 Hamas 
They killed more than 1,400 people in that assault October 7th, including 31 American citizens as well. Women, children, and the elderly in the worst attacks on Jews since the Holocaust. Top of the show, we even gave you actual examples from people that are going in for Israel's, Israelis people, Israel's doing it, checking for bodies, and what they're seeing is horrible, signs of brutal torture, rape, beheading. Over 200 people were taken hostage. They say 222 now and brought to Gaza, and only two of those have been released. So do we want to get away from that? Uh, I think we need to stay here for just a minute. Victor Davis Hanson, one of the greatest spokesmen of this generation, um, I don't even know what his political ilk is. I don't know if he's a Democrat or Republican independent. I don't know at all. But what I hear coming out of his mouth tells me he is a avid conservative on everything, and especially this one. So we're seeing in our own country, we're seeing even in Israel, not so much as here, but in Israel, support for Hamas. Now, how could somebody, anybody, especially an American or a Jew coming from the Middle East, how could any of them support Hamas? Victor Davis Hansen weighed in. All right, so Hamas calls for a day of rage and March is followed by heightened security across the globe. That followed quickly. Where is all of this headed? Victor Davis Hansen is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. He joins us now to answer. Victor, you're always great at putting this into perspective. Where are we headed? Well, I think Israel was at the height of its prosperity, security. It's a model of a humane, successful society. And there were all these centrifugal forces around it. People said, if you just hire Gazans and bring them into your uh, workforce every day, they will see how magnanimous you are, and they'll interpret that in reciprocal. They will, they will appreciate it. You'll help the economy. And they said, if you're going to have the Abram Accords renewed, it's going to be a new day. And don't worry about the Iran deal. We'll, uh, we'll negotiate. And we have Robert Malley working on it. And we're going to bring... Uh, aid back to Hamas. And that was all fine and good, the pressures that Israel was under. But as you said, they didn't read the charter of Hamas. And Hamas has never said that they were interested in any type of deal with Israel, much less they've even said they don't even want to build a model state in Gaza, even though they've had millions of dollars infused from the Europeans, the Americans, the UN. They're not interested in that. Just read what they say. They want to destroy Israel. And Israel has no margin of error. Well, so when you pressure it and pressure it, and they feel that maybe, just maybe, just at this moment, finally at the apex of our success, we can be magnanimous and we can live, and then, and then it can't happen. Not until Hamas is gone, because it has, it's an existential threat. They want to destroy it. And what's very scary is we in the United States think, if you have a PhD or an MA or a JD, and you have a university billet, or you're the head of a foundation, you drive an MB, MBW, Emmett, Mercedes, you name it, that somehow you're sophisticated, and when you, you say that you're for Hamas or Israel's apartheid, so there's no connection with the violence. You wouldn't, but you're advocating violence. They are advocating. When they say they want, want to destroy Israel here in the United States, these sophisticated, they do. 
and they're complicit with it. Hmm. And when you see people beheaded and dismembered and their bodies mutilated and necklaced, and then you have these refined intellectuals saying that this was great, that's, that's what they're saying. And we all say, well, they don't really mean that. They're just saying that the, give the pal Palestinians a state. Well, the Hamas doesn't want one. Gaza doesn't want one. So even where I work at Stanford University, we had a professor who was just suspended because she was centering on Palestinian uh, Jewish students and trying to ostracize them in her own class. It's insidious, and they get away with it. And I think what's needed is Israel's going to have to say, we're not at the end of history, and, and don't pressure us. We're a humane society. We have nothing to apologize for, and we're going to take care of Hamas. And we, we don't want, we didn't ask for it. You, you pressured us. We tried the therapeutic route, and now we're going to go through the tragic route, that they want to destroy us, and we're not going to let them do it. And when we, we, all of us in the United States, have to say, every time you get up and you support Hamas, you're supporting murder. And we don't care what your title is, how much money you have, what the coat and tie and the suit you wear, that's what you're doing. You're no different than the people who go across and butcher civilians in a time of peace at a holiday. So we've got to change the entire dynamic and we've got to stop telling Israel what Israel has to do because if anything goes wrong, we don't suffer, they do. And anybody who read Hamas's charter, anybody listened to Robert Malley, our Iran point man, and said what he said, about Hamas and Hezbollah the last few years. Anybody that takes the words of Anthony Blinken when he says that Iran may not have any uh, connection with this terror or that we should have a ceasefire, all of that has to be put in the proper context. So that is partly responsible to what we're watching. So let's just lay off Israel and don't tell it what to do when it's suffered 12,000 right. deaths in a pre-modern, pre-civilization fashion world that we haven't seen in our lifetime. We've seen nothing like this. It's just pure hate. And if they have their chance, they would do it to every Jewish citizen of Israel. Pure savagery. And I'm getting so tired of these modern intellectuals, intelligentsia, that think that because they're refined, they can, they can endorse barbarism and nobody will call them out on it. Victor, you mentioned that outlandish story out of Stanford. We're going to be talking more about that in just a moment. We appreciate you being with us tonight. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News' YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else. Let me tell you what I'll do. The, the charter of Hamas is long, but I've got a synopsis of it. Um, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Here's what I'll do after the show. On to the bottom of today's story that's published at uh, truthnewsnet.org, title of it is, when you look at it up at the top, is every day more evidence appears that Joe Biden took directly bribery funds. At the bottom of that, I'll put a little footnote and say below see a synopsis of Hamas's charter. And this has, let me give you an example. Let me, let me go over to it. For instance, it's, this charter was written in 1988. It says, Article 1 describes Hamas as an Islamic resistance movement with an ideological program of Islam. And it's got a hyperlink there at the end of it, the number, the section. You can click on the hyperlink and go to that section and read it all for yourself. Article 2 of the Charter defines Hamas as a universal movement, one of the branches of the Muslim Brotherhood in Palestine. It's got one, two, three, four hyperlinks after it. 
And you can look at all of that, but you can go down and let's see how many articles there are in this thing. It's, it's, it's very lengthy, very thorough. 36, 36 outlines the goals of Hamas are in this that I'm going to send to you. By the way, the preamble to the 1988 charter stated, Israel will exist and will continue to exist until Islam invalidates it, just as it invalidated others before it. This is all pretty heavy, and to ignore it and not even get a look into it is very, very dangerous. We need to know who the heck our enemies are. I mean, when you look around the nation, our nation, and you see these demonstrations that some of them are close to turning into riots on the streets of people that are in full support of Hamas, even in the face of what is documented that Hamas has been doing, is doing, and wants to do. Life in the Muslim world. Life in the Muslim world is totally different than it is in the Christian world. Why is that? In the United States, it's mostly Christian. Still, thank God, there's a big chunk of Americans that identify themselves as Christians, and they believe in God and Jesus Christ and the Bible. They believe in the hereafter. Thankfully, it's still a majority of Americans, but that majority is getting slimmer and slimmer every year. But you know what Muslims live for? And everything they do is pointed toward a victorious death and doing the dying after slaughtering Jews. That's the number one edict for Hamas and other Islamic radicals around the world. When somebody's not afraid to die, threatening to kill them, it's no big deal, right? Think about that. One of the most tiresome exercises in the U.S. today, in politics and in media, has been the habit of those on the political left declaring that anyone or anything they don't like constitutes a threat to democracy. I'm tired of hearing that. Oh, whether it's Donald Trump, young moms speaking up at school board meetings, voter security legislation in states like Georgia and Texas, complaints about debt-funded subsidies for green energy or overripe watermelons at the local grocery store. If the left doesn't like it, it's a threat to democracy. So I can't say it really surprised me that management up at the New York Times, they decided this week to run a guest essay with the unintentionally hilarious headline, and this is a New York Times headline. Listen to this. ExxonMobil's pioneer acquisition is a direct threat to democracy. The Times is, after all, the media bible of America's political left maybe along with the Washington Post. So what else should we expect from them? The Times doesn't like ExxonMobil, has never liked ExxonMobil, and so was no doubt thrilled to run a piece containing this claim, this outrageous claim. The piece is authored 
by a guy named Jeff D. Colgan, a professor of political science and the director of Climate Solution Lab at Brown University. And just on the side, think about that job title for a minute. Combining it, as it does political science, with the thing called Climate Solutions. The title itself is a tacit admission of what we've always contended here, which is that climate alarmism is not a scientific endeavor so much as it is a political and a religious movement. Now, what about this guy, Kogan? His central thesis appears to be that the Biden appointees at the Federal Trade Commission, they might choose to misapply the law to try to disallow this merger between ExxonMobil and Pioneer Natural Resources. That really looks like his entire basis for declaring this deal to be a threat to democracy. The key paragraph of the piece reads as follows. Listen to this. It didn't have to be this way. If Exxon were serious about preventing climate change, it could use its record $56 billion in net income from last year to invest more seriously in renewable energy, carbon capture, and storage or other technologies that are compatible with long-term environmental sustainability. The FTC would surely allow Exxon to acquire the major solar company, for instance. One almost has to admire the thought that the American's largest oil and gas company should invest $56 billion in solar farms. (laughs) The problem with that idea, of course, is ExxonMobil is in the business to make profits producing energy that is reliable, plentiful, and affordable for everybody. That doesn't line up with what this guy thinks. You can bet on that. It's not in business to do what struggling European competitors have done, which is fall behind by investing in unprofitable renewable projects so they can virtue signal how green we are. Oh, we're great. (laughs) By the way, the products ExxonMobil produces seem to be in high demand. Biden, the Biden administration. (laughs) Biden's not supposed to use oil or gas, is he? Oh, we got to go all green. Given that it quietly stopped enforcing sanctions on Iran's oil exports late last year, so now they're whispering, we don't like fossil fuel. We're going to oppose it. I canceled. I began the beginning of the end for fossil fuels my first day as president. But then he turns around and whispers, hey, Iran, can you help us out with some oil imports? We need it over here. It makes absolutely no sense, but that's what these idiots are doing. For America's political left, it seems oil is great unless it's produced here. Produced here by American companies like ExxonMobil, then and only then is it a bad thing. Somebody ought to tell Mr. Colgan that ExxonMobil's already far and away the biggest investor in carbon capture and also storage projects for one major reason. Because it has executed such projects successfully for a long, long time. Most likely since before Mr. Colgan even knew what the term meant. 
and knows how to make those profitable. ExxonMobil has experts, real scientists, who work in the real world outside of academia, on staff who know that stuff better than probably anyone on earth. What the company doesn't have on staff is a bunch of people who are experts at putting up big solar arrays anywhere the government is willing to debt subsidize them to do it. Those are the folks who work at actual solar companies or at virtue signally oil and gas companies who are subject to insane orders from Dutch or British courts. It seems the only real threat to democracy in any of this is a legacy media establishment that has completely abandoned its reason for existing. You know, this news thing. Oh, we can't just give them the facts and trust that they're going to make the right decisions based on the facts that we put out here. They're ineligible. They can't do that. They're incapable of recognizing the horrible and evil that's embedded in all these capital projects, these massive capitalist corporations. But boy, do they love to be the recipients of the goodness that comes out of low prices low inflation, high employment numbers, low unemployment numbers, more people getting to work, wages literally going up. They love all that. But you know what? Just like you would expect, all of these guys, and also that includes Mr. Colgan, they look at what's happening out there as evil. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to take advantage of the quote-unquote evil and love every second of it. But what they're going to do and continue to do is pontificate on their pulpits of far-left climate change. (laughs) And they still think that we can change the climate. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I read an article two weeks ago. I told you about it. We even talked about it here on the show. 14,000 climatologists signed a letter. 14,000. Not 1,400, 14,000. Scientists. I mean, people that work in labs and said, (laughs) climate change is a fraud. There is no climate change happening, and it doesn't need to happen. If it needed to happen, it would happen. That just that just kind of makes sense. To me, anyway. Well, what do you have up your sleeve, Dan? Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson came in over the weekend, and he made some predictions of what's going to happen to all of us in the next 12 months. Now, what's he looking at? Why that time period? That would be between here and kind of the 2024 election. Oh, my gosh. we got to start thinking about that. We're headed there, and we're going to be there before we know it. Tucker's up next at TNN Live. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. 
Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third bathroom a river runs through the bathroom for someone suffering with sucrose intolerance a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom if you're experiencing chronic diarrhea gas stomach pain and bloating remember sucrose intolerance or csid can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test visit sucroseintolerance.com for over 75 years people have saved money with with sorry here we go from the top and action for over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko. So Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years. <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good. I'm good. For over 70. <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Gecko. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. wondered what's up tucker carlson's sleeve i mean he got fired from fox he had the number one show in news media across the board fox was raking in a lot of advertising revenue having tucker carlson at fox news he hadn't gone anywhere he's still doing his his bits on uh, x formerly known as twitter but he's, you know, Tucker, he's never going to go away. And he shouldn't go away, shouldn't even think about it. He's one of the bright spots in news where you have people that just give us the unmitigated factual information and trust us to go find out, hey, is this true or if it's false? Well, he came out a couple of days ago and he made a statement why everybody is saying, here's what's going to happen And you better get ready because this is what's going to happen. 12 months, we're looking at an election. What's going to happen? Tucker, in his wisdom, came out and very briefly, I mean, in a minute, he gave us his opinion about what is coming up for us in the next 12 months. Listen closely. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. This is not going to be a race between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I would bet my beloved fishing camp in Maine that that is not going to happen. That's not going to happen. So what will happen? Well, I don't know. One of like 400 distinct other possibilities? I mean, I just can't even, you know, pick one. By the way, if it's Gavin Newsom, we all should be very, very concerned. That guy's scary, and I mean it. I mean it, scary. This is, this will be forced. These issues will be forced soon, like in a year. And the road from here to November of 2024 is going to be filled with developments nobody in this room could foresee. I can promise you that. 
So everything's at stake. What wouldn't they do? What haven't they done? What might they do next? Let your imagination run wild. So the question, the only one that you can answer is, how will you prepare yourself for that? The white pill is the last line that he said. You can care, you can fight, you can wake up. You can take a little more power also within your personal life. You got to do something. You've got to make choices. We're at a place now, folks, where things that are out of our control that are very important, they they apply to us all. And not just us, people around the world. Our administration in power now, that would be Democrats. They have put their thumbs on the success that we have seen in America for longer than Donald Trump's four years. We have seen the success of making all of the things that are framed in our Constitution part of our everyday lives. When you push down and take control of the American people and force them to do things that don't come naturally, we're not supposed to have a top-down government. It's supposed to be a government of the people, you and I, for the people, you and I, and by the people, you and I, not a bunch of bureaucrats and elected officials. We've let that happen. So it would be foolish, and I'm not not Tucker Carlson, but I would say it would be foolish for us to expect different results from what we are allowing to be done. Everything does not exist in a vacuum. Nothing, no circumstance for anybody around the world. That means here at the United States. There's a cause and effect to everything that's done and everything that's not done. Wouldn't it be more prudent for us to find truthful things, find the things that work, and implement them? And if they work, keep them in place and fine-tune them and make them better than just coming out and arbitrarily canceling the fossil fuel industry. You heard me a little bit ago talking about that. And that writer that he just went, start crazy, demanding everybody get in line with climate change and do away with fossil fuel and that Exxon Mobil, like he would know. He's a teacher. He would know what a corporation is and how it operates. I'll tell you this, you don't know about company operation, founding, establishment, making it work. If you've not done it, and I'm not saying if you've not worked there, I'm saying if you've not established a company on the principles of capitalism and let them work on your behalf, you cannot possibly understand what ExxonMobil is doing and not doing and why. Those successes don't just happen. They don't fall out of the air. They're created by honoring, embracing capitalism, government of, by, and for the people, a free country where the people make the decisions and we pick those who are going to lord over us. Not will they lord over us, but they'll be our elected representatives in our government. And all these nut jobs, they want it flipped. They want all the goodness that comes along with freedom and justice for all, 
equal justice for all, capitalism, opportunity for everybody to succeed. There's not another country on this planet that is living that right now. And guess what? We aren't either. The far left want to start a war among Americans, the fight against or for freedom and justice for all and the people being the owners of the nation, not the government. They want us to bow to them and let them be responsible and in charge of everything. Authoritarianism, all those isms that we know the names, they're all opposite of capitalism. And we have people in Washington that are all in for big government. Why would they be? They're in the big government. They are lusting for and getting power and all the stuff that goes along with it. <laughs> that's that's what happens when you let top-down government creep into your lives and start making all the decisions and choices for you. Now, we've, we're a year away from an election, and there are going to be a lot of things that change between now and then. I'm watching closely at candidates, and I'm sure you are too, listening to what they're saying, watching what they denigrate, what they support, what they don't believe in. And sometimes some of them make some uh, pretty darn good statements. Republican presidential candidates they in mass have condemned recent anti-Semitic rhetoric on college campuses, also the Israel-Hamas war, with several of these candidates proposing pulling federal funding from Hamas. Hamas committed a surprise terror attack. We don't need to tell you about that. It happened October 7th. Across the United States, students, faculty on college campus have responded not with pro-Israeli protest, pro-Palestinian protest, and anti-Israel letters and statements. Republican hopefuls condemn the demonstrations in the aftermath of the attacks. Some even call for defunding the universities in its wake. Institutions that engage in persistent anti-Semitism in violation of federal law should have their taxpayer funding pool. That's from U.N. Ambassador, former U.N. Ambassador, former South Carolina Governor, Nikki Haley. Progressive Group Students for a Democratic Society, SDS. They've been around a long time. They were around when I was in college. They launched a National Week of Action to show solidarity for Palestinians following the initial Hamas attack. It wasn't the initial Israeli attack. It was in the middle of the night. Palestinians launched, launched it and killed hundreds of innocent people. By the way, in case you didn't know it, the organization which advocates against law enforcement and promotes gender ideology and DEI also demanded that no U.S. funding go to Israel. University of California, Berkeley, Columbia University, Kent State, Princeton, University of Maryland, University of Texas, University of Washington, or among the colleges that have active SDS chapters on campus. Numerous other student groups help pro-Palestinian demonstrations, many using language, showing pictures, 
that are tied with violence against Israel. Students for Socialism could be heard chanting, resistance is justified at the University of South Florida. And Students for Justice in Palestine chapters at the University of North Carolina, University of Louisville, depicted those paragliders in social media posts advertising for its pro-Palestinian rallies. What are the paragliders about? There was this music festival going on on that day, October 7th. And above the music festival, paragliders, Palestinian soldiers with automatic weapons in their arms flew over and into that concert, slaughtering more than 200 people that were just at a concert. And these universities are calling for Students for Justice in Palestine. Formerly, that's the name of their their groups. They're advertising for pro-Palestinian rallies. Students at Georgetown held candlelit vigil for the martyrs of Palestine following the Hamas response attacks. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, he maintained he opposes giving funding to schools that prop up anti-Semitism, which is Jew-hating, following the demonstrations at these universities. It's clear that too many universities encourage anti-Israel sentiment on their campuses. Many donors are now finally waking up to that fact. Burgum said, as governor, our administration has enacted anti-boycott divestment and sanctions legislation. And as president, I will continue supporting Israel, fighting against anti-Israel radicalism. Title VI prohibits federal funding for any college, any university that enables anti-Semitism. I will fully enforce this law. wonder how many other governors are going to do that. Over 30 student-run organizations at Harvard, remember they wrote that letter the day after the attacks, pledging support to Palestine and blaming Israel entirely for the situation. (laughs) Israel didn't swoop into Gaza in the middle of the night and start slaughtering Muslims and Palestinians there. It's the other way around. Hamas, other Palestinian independents, they are the ones that slaughtered hundreds of Israelis. Florida Governor DeSantis slammed the Harvard students, call for reevaluating how much funding is going toward those campuses. And seeing those demonstrations, seeing the students at universities like Harvard sign their names to letters praising Hamas in light of the barbarism that we've seen, it shows this country's got a lot of problems, DeSantis said. We need to be reevaluating the role that the federal government has in our relationship we have with some of these universities. We should not be pumping hundreds of millions of dollars in a Places like Harvard, if they're producing students that are basically aligning with Hamas terrorists, it's a total disgrace. The pro-Hamas student organization Students for Justice in Palestine, SJP, which has over, by the way, 200 campus chapters here in the United States, scheduled a teach-in session 
It was led by two professors at the University of California, Los Angeles. That's UCLA ahead of its October 12th rally to express support for Palestinian liberation. University of Kansas Graduate Teaching Assistance Union, GTAC, released a statement Wednesday that violence will necessarily continue as long as apartheid and settler colonialism exist and that Palestinians must be free. A Cornell professor called the October 7th terrorist attacks exhilarating and energizing. During a pro-Palestinian rally in New York City, he later doubled down on what he said and said the first few hours of the attack were a symbol of resistance. Federal funds should not go to institutions that support terrorism. That's conservative radio personality Larry Elder. He said that in a statement. (laughs) This is just freaking insanity. It is. Wow, we're down to our last quarter hour. We haven't even touched on what's going on in the House of Representatives. We can't get a House Speaker, and we got to have one. What's the latest? House Republicans will meet behind closed doors tonight to hear pitches from candidates looking to become the next speaker. And guess what? It's back to square one. Nine new Republican candidates are competing for the job after Republicans voted to drop Congressman Jim Jordan last week. Oklahoma Congressman Kevin Hearn is one of them, and he joins us now. Congressman, good morning to you. So you want the job as House Speaker, so do eight of your colleagues. What is your path forward to getting 217 votes and securing this position? Well, certainly everyone is going to say that they can do it, but the question will be who has actually brought people together. Uh, I spent 25 years in business working with the largest brand in the world, McDonald's, bringing 3,500 franchisees together all over the country to to pull on the same rope, so to speak, and then taking that experience when I came to Congress. And this year, I've led the Republican Study Committee, which is a caucus of all the other caucuses, and also served on Speaker McCarthy's five caucus uh, teams. So I know all the issues that are out there. I've been involved in all of them since we became in the majority. You actually have to know what the problems are before you can come up with a solution, and I think I'm best fit to do that. But Congressman, are you prepared to say is enough is enough and throw your support behind another candidate if it does appear that that other candidate has the votes to win and you do not? Absolutely. I follow the rules. Uh, when uh, Leader Scalise got the votes, I followed him. I took him when I was going to vote for him on the floor. Uh, obviously, didn't go to the floor. Uh, Jim Jordan, I uh, did one of his nominating speeches. I uh, followed him on the floor, voted for him three times. I think that is exactly what we have to do. We've all committed to that. And if, without that, you have anarchy, and uh, we can't keep doing what we're doing right now. The world needs the House back open. With what we're seeing around the world, it's imperative that we get the Republican Party back in charge and America back in its leadership position. Oh, isn't that the truth? And when Congress finally does have a speaker, President Biden is asking Congress to pass $100 billion in uh, funding both to Ukraine and Israel. And some Republicans have said that those two conflicts shouldn't be tied together. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell disagrees. Here he is on Fox News Sunday. Listen to this. The Iranians are a threat to us as well. And so this is an emergency. It's an emergency that we step up and deal with this axis of evil, China, Russia, Iran, because it's an immediate threat 
the United States. We need to view this as a worldwide problem. So he says that these conflicts are tied together because Russia and Iran are allies. And if they win either of these wars, they become stronger. How do you feel about that? And also, do you support this $100 billion aid package? Well, first, I agree with the leader. These are the axis of evil. They have been for a long time. And, you know, the United States has always led uh, peace through strength, not war through weakness, which is what we're seeing under the Biden administration since the pullout in August of 2000 or 2021. And what we've seen is everything proliferate from that point in time. You know, when we look at the package, we need to get Israel the support immediately to send a message to the Middle East. This place is blowing up literally from Gaza to the north to the West Bank. We've got to get them strength right now, and that's going to require peeling that off, doing that. We can have the debate on Ukraine. Uh, we're losing Republican support. We need to have ideas, you know, where the money's going, what the strategy is there. And I would argue that we also should look at the southern border of our United States of America, where, you know, since the Biden administration came into play, we've had over 300 known terrorists cross the southern border, you know, potentially having sleeper cells here in our own country. We need to tie the southern border to Ukraine. Yeah, Congressman, it does appear like the administration is acting like it cares about foreign terrorism, at least in some of the releases that we've seen so far. But until they solve the problem, basically just enforce the law at the border, nothing is going to change. And we're still going to be in major trouble because we have people that shouldn't be here crossing. We don't want them here. Congressman Kevin Hearn, thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate it. We don't not only have an idea of how many terrorists are among us now that have been let into the country by President Biden and his minions. We have no idea, but it's almost certain. You heard the representative, Hearn, saying that section of uh, the audio that you just listened to, since Biden's been there, 300 terrorists have come into the United States that we don't know where they are. We just know they're terrorists. So do you think the process down at the southern border that Joe invented, you think it's doing a good job? He says it is. Our country, we're fine. Our governor, governor, governors along the southern border, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, they don't know what they're talking about. We don't have open borders, right? We've got to get a House speaker and got to get this mess to stop. It takes legislation. Legislation means you got to have a Speaker of the House. You can't even bring the House of Representatives together without having the majority's representative Speaker of the House there to make things happen. I think it was interesting. I knew this was a possibility, but over the weekend, our friend here from Shreveport, Louisiana, Mike Johnson, he's a congressman and he is the number three Republican in leadership in the House, he announced his candidacy for speaker in a letter that he sent out over the weekend. I've been humbled to have so many members from across our conference reach out to encourage me to seek the nomination for speaker. He wrote that in a letter. Until yesterday, I've never contacted one person about this. I've never before aspired to the office. However, much prayer and deliberation I'm stepping forward now. So you got Mike Johnson, others who have declared their candidacy. Representative Tom Emmer from Minnesota, Byron Donalds from Florida, Kevin Hearn, who you just heard from, from Oklahoma, Pete Sessions from Texas, 
These are the current ones that are being considered. Now, I'm like you. Not getting this thing handled is insane. There is no reasonable, no plausible explanation for waiting so long, two weeks now. We don't have any leadership. We have so much legislation that's pending, and they're doing nothing but arguing with each other and spending our taxpayer money that we send to D.C., and it's not to fund the U.S. House of Representatives to just sit around for a couple of weeks and do nothing. It's to go about doing the business of the people. That's what has got to happen. And you you look at this mess going on over in the Middle East, do you know that these uh, protests and stuff aren't only happening here? Thousands have rallied across Europe supporting Israel now, thank God, demanding Hamas release the hostages. Yesterday, across Europe, showed support, people in Europe, support to Israel to demand that the Islamist Hamas terror organization release the hostages taken during that brutal October 7th terror attack and some since then. Rallies in support of Israel were held in Berlin, Geneva, and London yesterday as demonstrators mourned the murder of over 1,400 Israeli people and the estimated 200 taken hostage by Hamas. In central London, demonstrators chanted, bring them home, while holding placards reading, release the hostages. There are no words to describe the suffering of families who have seen their kids and other relatives butchered in front of them. Relatives who live in hope that those who were living peacefully in their homes just two weeks ago and are now in a Hamas dungeon should be freed. No words can sum up the evil of those responsible for these acts. But words matter, promises matter, and the world made a promise 75 years ago, never again. Never again. Hey guys, guess what? We've run out of time. I want to thank you for being here, starting the week with us. We appreciate it. And thank you for reading the stories that we publish at truthnewsnet.org. Again, I'll have that summary of the Hamas charter at the bottom of today's story as soon as this show is over. So make sure you go take a look at it. Until tomorrow, you guys have a great day. And just remember, the best is yet to come. So long, everybody.